This year, we're celebrating 20 years of Glass Tire. That means 20 years of Texas art coverage, 20 years of publishing writing from across the state, and 20 years of showing the world all Texas has to offer. Since our publication is a nonprofit, all of our work is made possible thanks to readers and listeners like you. If you'd like to help support our coverage, you can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining donor by visiting glasstar.com forward slash donate. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, please consider subscribing and leaving us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's show. And welcome to Art Dirt. This is Glass Tires, bi-monthly uh, podcast where we cover what we call topical art topics, however repetitive that is. We like it. Uh, I'm Christina Reese. And I'm Brandon Zeck. And this week, um, we're going to talk, we're going to do something a little bit different. We haven't done this on a podcast before. You know, we've done um, spring and fall previews for years, usually in video form. This is going to be something like a summer preview in podcast form, but we're going to take some detours along the way as well because this is kind of a this is a combo podcast. It's sort of a summer preview about museum shows that are happening across Texas. Generally, when we do previews, um, we're looking at museums because they're the ones who have their schedules up and uh, online so that we can study them. Um, and then you just kind of the whole idea that. This is following a little bit of uh, a, a recent podcast about just reopenings and reentry into society, but also the fact that summer is a huge road trip time in Texas and the U.S., and one of the things that we do when we hit the road is we go out and look for art. Um, some people go camping, some people do both, uh, but there's plenty of art to see across the state, and it, uh, this feels like a different sort of season. It's starting to feel a little bit more normal, not just summer but uh heading into fall i'm starting to kind of consider uh the world somewhat reopen what about you well yeah christina this is something that actually you and i have been tracking for the last six or seven years about how the art world doesn't really have a summer lull anymore uh i think when i started at glass tire back in 2015 it was very much like people threw up group shows over the summer let them run for three months went out of town for a month closed their galleries for a month and just kind of had that breathing room but now and you know save the last year COVID as an exception um that doesn't really happen anymore. And I think we're starting to get back to normal because there are a ton of galleries that have been opening shows uh, in the last month, in May of 2021, which isn't a normal thing. Like normally galleries are closing their shows. They'll wait until summer to kind of reopen. And so I think with everyone getting vaccinated and with people feeling like they can get back out into the world, um, it's kind of just blending the season together even more maybe than normal. There's a lot of fundraisers happening this summer also, which is never a thing that used to happen. Everyone used to go out of town for months and months, so people didn't want to plan a fundraiser. But it's it's all starting, continuing, whatever you want to call it right now. Um, and there are a lot of shows like you said, at these museums and at nonprofit spaces. So this is going to be, we're, we're going to combine road trip recommendations with 
maybe a few just kind of off the cuff thoughts about some of the shows or the concept of shows that are happening. Mm-hmm. So or themes or things, patterns that we see. Sure. Yeah. Where do you want to start, Christina? Gosh. Um, well, I, one thing that I haven't gotten to do for going on two years now is one of my regular trips up into the panhandle. As you know, that's one of the things I do. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to go over into New Mexico this summer for a little while to see some, some friends, but on the way I'm going to stop, uh, at all my favorite haunts, which would be not all of them. Uh, actually panhandle plains up in Canyon is not, is not having a show that I feel like I've got to see, but the old jail has a trio of shows that, uh, will be good. Lyndon Blackburn, Steve Parker, and Michael O'Brien. The Grace Museum has Sherry Owens. Uh, Luca is as always has three or four shows going at a time. Uh, Amarillo Museum of Art is going to be showing Claude Albritton's uh, collection, which is kind of encyclopedic Texas art, uh, private collection. That'll be nice to see. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I just want to, I want to go. I haven't seen East Lubbock Art House ever because when it opened, it was during the pandemic. So I just, I need to get up there. Well, and that is to go in order. If you're going to if you would be going from North Texas or I guess even from Houston uh, or Southern Texas, that's Albany, Abilene, Lubbock, and Amarillo, mm-hmm. right? In order. Mm-hmm. And then up over into New Mexico. What, one of the things um, back when you and I maybe made our first trip up to the Panhandle is, you know, being in Houston, I feel like it's lost on me how close New Mexico is to much of Texas. But whenever we went up to Lubbock or to Amarillo, people were always like, oh, yeah, I just popped over to New Mexico for the weekend, or I'm going to take the long weekend and go to New Mexico. And it's like, if you're trying to do a trip like that, it's like, that's, I mean, that's a way to really kind of take Texas up into New Mexico and get some uh, art along the way. I mean, if you're pulling through Amarillo, you have to stop by um, Cadillac Ranch also, mm-hmm. of course, uh, <laughs> yeah, you'll pass it. God knows what condition those cars are in at this point. I know when you and I visited, maybe the last time we visited was like three years ago at this point. Ever since they were installed, they haven't been in great condition, but <laughs> no, I know. And the guys, the guys that we know who are sort of self-appointed are also in some ways officially appointed custodians of it have tried their best to kind of keep the cars upright and going um, over the years, which has been replacing parts and stripping off layers and layers and layers. Layers. <laughs> Miles of spray paint. But uh, only it's knowing full well that this is this is part of everyone's road trip and they're all going to hit it with spray paint. I mean, that's just what happens with Cadillac Ranch. But yeah, I mean, I wasn't even thinking about combining the New Mexico and the Panhandle thing, but I was with a friend of mine who I'm going to visit in New Mexico, and she's the one who was like, well, if you're going to do that, you may as well just go up into the Panhandle. I was like, yes, because that's another thing I need to do. So that'll be a combo trip. But there's a lot of Texas, and you know, most of Texas, to your point, most of us who live in Texas aren't that aware of how close so much of Texas is to New Mexico because Texas being gigantic. I mean, certainly down here in Houston, we have no sense of that. Even in North Texas, where I grew up, we didn't really have a sense of, you know, that connection to that easy connection to New Mexico that people in the panhandle have. If you're going to hit the road, what would be one of your first points of contact? Where would you go? Okay, so uh, I'm I'm overdue for a Dallas trip, uh, actually, and... <laughs> 
there's a show, it's not the normal kind of eye-catchy-catchy summer exhibition, but there's a show of works of still lives by Juan Gris, um, who is a cubist. Um, you know, he's you've seen paintings of his listener in museums. It's possible you may or may not recognize his name. He's not Picasso. He's not Brock. Um, but I've always, I don't know, there's something about these uh, these kind of lesser, I say lesser known, they're not really lesser known, but they're lesser known than Picasso, obviously. These lesser known cubists and their work, I mean, I think their work many times outshines that of Picasso or outshines that of Brack. Um, I'm thinking about people like Greece, people like Leger, um, especially when it comes to still lives. I think some of theirs kind of reign supreme. So this show is at the DMA and it, you could kind of say that it's a summer show. You could kind of not. It opened in March. It's on view through more or less the end of July. Um, it was organized with the DMA and the Baltimore Museum of Art it's one of the first shows in a long time looking at Greece's work, like solo shows. Um, it's like 40 ish paintings and collages. And just one of the reasons I'm picking this, like I said earlier, it's not a blockbuster, like summer interactive thing. Bring the kids. Everyone will get a kick out of it. Bring the summer camp show. But I mean, these works, the ones that are on their website, like I said, I haven't seen it yet, but these works are so weird. There's some really weird pieces that are a part of this show and and stuff that looks like weirdly contemporary. You know, some of these pieces, I mean, because they're still lives, maybe they and because they kind of have a stylistic quality to them that, you know, circles in and out of popularity. They look very contemporary and they're really weird and fun. I kind of love also weird focused shows like this. And I think for them to have this you know, spring break through summer is a really kind of fun, weird, interesting choice um, that I, I mean, that I can definitely get behind. That's a good point. And there's another show up at the DMA that I want to see, which is their, um, it's their uh, concentration show that's current up through August 8th, which is Julian Cherrier. And, um, Concentrations is just a great series that the DMA has had forever, and it's usually a, the first major museum exhibition by an artist in the United States. That's usually the case, um, whether they're a U.S. artist or an international artist. And it's 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 often kind of a capsule show. They're sometimes more ambitious than what you would see uh, the focus shows over at the Fort Worth Modern, and sometimes just about the same. It's usually in a more contained space, but this should be a good one. Well, similarly, if you're going to be in Dallas, there's, um, I believe we've included this in a past top five, Christina, correct me if I'm wrong, but there is a, there's a NARA show at the Dallas Contemporary that's going to be up through the summer that I would definitely love to stop in. Um, there's, I, I can't remember if it has already opened or if it's about to open, but there's a Gorilla Girls thing at the Nasher um, that I would, you know, some of those pieces, I, I don't know if it's from the same collection, but some of those posters and works uh, were on view at the DMA maybe a couple of years ago at this point, but just anytime there's a chance to expose more people to the Gorilla Girls or to see a collection of Gorilla Girls posters, ephemera, all that stuff, I, I'm i an ephemera person, and so I can definitely get behind it, but I think it's just nice to be able to highlight that stuff. Yeah, and there was, uh, when uh, Michael Opping curated the 80s show at the uh, Fort Worth Modern, there was a Gorilla Girls 
ephemeral room. So we started to see a lot more of their work again. I feel like I was seeing Gorilla Girl stuff also on view in New York and Los Angeles a lot over the last five years or so. There's been a definite massive resurgence of awareness and appreciation for the work that they've done over the years in what is sort of our current culture wars. So, um, yeah, I love seeing their work. Every time I see it, it's just kind of like hearing a very familiar, awesome song. <laughs> it's like, oh, here's the Gorilla Girls. Good. Familiar and um, uh, identifiable and, you know, as much of it uh, that can make it into Texas, I'm always happy to see it. I have not been to Austin or San Antonio in a long time. I know you were in Austin pretty recently. I have not seen the Deborah Roberts show at the Contemporary Austin. I um, have not seen the Collecting the Border show at Mexicarte, the Juan Sandoval collection. We just did a two-part awesome series by Mary Cantrell on that collector who was based in El Paso. This amazing collection's gone to this museum, to the Mexicarte Museum in Austin. I want to see it. There's uh, stuff in San Antonio I want to see as well. Now, luckily, Ruby City opened before COVID started, so I got to see Ruby City several times before the lockdowns. But um, I still I want I miss Blue Star. There's a, a couple of good shows there right now. There's a group show opening uh, called The Sitter, which is kind of a fresh take on portraiture. Um, there's some John Baldessari works. Uh, it's called California Dreaming at the McNay and their print gallery. Uh, it's always a joy to take that kind of stuff in. Also, um, we've been doing a series and it continues on um, a project that some artists uh, in collaboration with Leslie Moody Castro are doing in Bartlett, Texas, which is about an, an hour northeast of Austin. So a small town and the kind of re envisioning of what a small town can be and what its future can be uh, with some help from visual art, <laughs> visual artists. Um, and that really, that big opening weekend or the the weekend where you can go and check everything out is not this coming weekend, but the next one. And I'll be out there. Some of us from Glass Tire will be out there. It's another thing I'm looking forward to. Well, and uh, also, uh, before I talk about San Antonio, I want to go back to Austin because when I... Um, was in Austin most recently, uh, I realized that I hadn't visited Laguna Gloria in a little while. And Laguna Gloria, for the uninitiated, uh, the contemporary Austin, which has a location in downtown Austin, and uh, that's where the Deborah Roberts exhibition currently is, but where most of the contemporaries programming happens. Um, so they have this downtown location, but they also have a sculpture park that's on the west side of town. You kind of have to drive a little bit to get out there, uh, but it's this old estate. It's beautiful. Uh, it has a lot of land. It's kind of uh, hilly. So there's, uh, you know, you have to go up and down stairs and it's, it's this great sp- place for a sculpture park, frankly. Um, and they've really turned it into a stellar sculpture park. Um, I don't know if I had been out there since they had redone their, or not redone, but they essentially built a a museum shop out there, a little visitor center type place, a little cafe. Um, and uh, granted it wasn't in the heat of summer, like it might be if you go out there in June or July or August, but I went out there, had a little sandwich, sat at a table, walked around and saw some sculptures, and it was just a delight. I mean, the sculptures in their collection are great. They're always adding new pieces to it. It's something you can get out and do outside. Your kids can run around and you don't have to worry about them. Like, it's 
it's a good place to visit and it's beautiful and it's just fun and nice and uh, a good place to spend time. It also smells really good. I know that sounds strange, but it does. It just smells the way it smells the way the hill country I think has probably always smelled. I used to go to the hill country as a kid in the summertime. My grandparents had a lake uh, lake house on like Travis, but um, that smell, if you get down close to the water at Laguna Gloria, you can just take it in. And it is like, it's just like a super dense, concentrated, wonderful hill country smell. Anyway, that's that's what I associate Laguna Gloria with, along with its its great sculptures, which you just have to walk around, wander around until you find them. They're just dotted throughout the property. It's very cool. Uh, but back to San Antonio, uh, Christina, you mentioned some things at the McNay, and one of the things that I'm excited about this summer, uh, I believe it's already on view, but it's up through f- September, uh, through the beginning of September, is there's a show of op art in the McNay's Works on Paper Gallery, uh, the Charles Butt Paperworks Gallery. And okay, maybe this is just me, but I feel like op art gets kind of a bad rap because I don't know, it can definitely be a little gimmicky and a lot of it or some of it is gimmicky. Yeah, it's like like kinetic art. It's like if any if there's a gimmick, there's a gimmick. But name some of the artists in this show. Uh yeah, so it's uh there's Paintings by Susie Rosemarin. Uh, there's a sculpture by uh, Jesus Rafael Soto. Um, there's other artist pieces from the collection. Um, the thing is, I think it's a lot of works on paper. And frankly, I mean, op art works on paper. Like when you start to get really good op art, like screen prints together, that's when I think some of this stuff really shines because. It's easy to make a really bad screen print. It's easy to make a really bad piece of op art. You can tell when it's a really bad screen print that's a piece of op art. But when it's done right and when the artist is working with the printer... This is me being nerdy about prints also. But when it's done right and the artist is working with the printer and they're layering their inks and their screens in the right way and just... This is any artist working with a printer. um, The pieces really pop and shine. And based on the uh, images from this show that I've seen, I I think that's very much what this exhibition is. Are they are are they using the the language op art? Do they say op art? Yeah, in their description of the show, it's they call they say op art. It's funny because you know a lot of artists who were probably in the show and I need to read a list, <laughs> but artists don't necessarily like to be called op artists. Oh totally. I can't imagine Bridget Riley or Susie Rosemarin would be like, I'm an op artist. No, of yeah. course not. Of course not. Just like a lot of people who can, I can vouch for this, people who can paint incredibly realistically don't necessarily want to be called a photorealist because it starts to feel like it's a gimmick or a category that's already sort of overly solidified. and um, Or not even just a photorealist, even being called like a realist painter. A realist. Yeah. Yeah. Artists, artists don't like labels with good reason, but I think it's interesting that they just went ahead and said op art. I mean, let's just, you know, that's a shortcut to the sort of thing you may be saying. I would imagine a lot of these works are going to be incredibly beautiful. Um, and yeah, op art, not op art, just good painters doing works on paper, doing the thing that they do. It's going to be a beautiful show regardless. So let's talk about, so we've done, we've done, we haven't done Marfa, which we can get to in a second because it's all kind of reopening. Um, But Houston, which is where we are. um, One thing that's happening this year is the big show. Yes. So uh, let's see. Lawndale didn't have the big show 
in 2020 or they weren't planning anyway on having the big show in 2020. And even if they were, I can't imagine that it would have happened being as COVID happened. And the whole thing about the big show is you get, you know, 200 artists and all of their family to come out to this opening. So I I imagine it would have been canceled or they would have found a different way to do it or whatever. Anyway, um, so... For those of you uninitiated, uh, probably if you're in Houston, you know what The Big Show is. But if you're listening to this and you don't know, The Big Show is an annual open call juried show at Lawndale Arts Center. And it's open to anyone who lives within a hundred mile radius of Lawndale. So it's Houston and then the truly greater Houston area. Um, And it's a place for, I mean... Any anyone submits and anyone can get accepted. It truly is a crapshoot. The juror normally they bring in an independent curator um, or an independent juror from somewhere outside of Texas, so it really kind of is blind. Um, and this year, I mean, it's very much the same. It's it's actually a very big big show, which sometimes it, it's a little less so. Sometimes it's much larger. This is two hundred and twelve artworks by hundred and eighty two artists. So I can only imagine. You know, Lawndale has a couple different gallery spaces, and the big show is normally building wide. Um, but I still can't imagine. <laughs> that it's going to be sparse. No, I think it's going to be a big, it's going to be a big show. Like it's name. I, you know, my, um, I didn't know the big show before I started working at glass tire full time. And I've only been to a few big show openings. I will say that even, (laughs) even in the midst of, you know, 2014, 2015 or 2016, when I was very used to going to big openings on a very regular basis, I have to say that was, those are some overwhelming openings in terms of, bodies in a space it's really a lot as well as the artwork in the space uh but it's exciting too and it's a tradition it's a very long tradition in houston at this point almost every houston artist you've ever heard of at one point or another had a piece in the big show um generally as they were emerging but um still sometimes i think you know our named artists who's who are quite established every once in a while put a piece in it um if it gets in but yeah, this is this is kind of going to be an interesting return to form in Houston itself. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, there's some other good stuff happening in Houston. Jamal Cyrus has has opened or is opening a mid career retrospective at the Blaffer. This is a long awaited show. Um, Colleen Smith will be at the Cam. So I mean, Houston, Houston's happening, um, no doubt, and the galleries are all up and running as well. HCCC, one of my favorite museums in Texas, is having a show about armor, armor made in Texas. Um, it looks very quirky. Um, Photofest is having some stuff around town. I mean, everything just seems to be kind of, again, uh, kind of up and going. Well, and also we can't not talk about the Museum of Fine Arts Houston's big. Uh, law building open space summer blockbuster installation which is uh, a com- custom commissioned piece that's been like seven years or so in the making by Ernesto Neto um, it's called Sunforce Ocean Life we included this on last week's top five and then I actually saw it um, a day or two before it opened it opened May 30th and it's going to be up through September you know this is Another in the series of big pieces that the museum has commissioned to 
take up the big kind of lobby hall like space in the museum's law building um which is the Mies van der Rohe designed building. The green floor. The green floor. The green, huge green terrazzo floor. So this show, um, it's it's an odd combination of like experiential art, but something that isn't necessarily for the whole family. And I don't want to give... <laughs> Tell them like, why. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to give the wrong impression with that. Like it's totally family friendly and everything, but it is this huge kind of maze-like structure that is suspended from the ceiling. And it is crocheted yarn essentially and uh it's this structure that you walk on and you're walking on uh basically a sack of like kids play place balls that have been crocheted together so this structure you know the higher it has a lot of different engagement experiences like the higher you get the more stable it gets because it's swinging less because it is attached to the ceiling through these like crocheted ropes but also the structure is constantly shifting under you because you're walking on a net full of play place balls. So it's not necessarily the kind of exhibition you can take grandma to if grandma isn't that stable on her feet. You know, you kind of or or a young kid for that matter. Like it you kind of have to be smart about visiting this show like it needs one of those height uh <laughs> one of those height markers for you know but also sort of like infirm markers but i mean people if you haven't seen a netto piece installed these are huge this is not some like little playground attraction this is a major major piece there's a, he did a piece at um the nasher Probably around 2011, 2012, I want to say. Did you walk on this new one? Oh, did I did. Did you walk on it? Yeah. Okay, you did. Yeah. I walked on the, the, the last one. Do you have to put the booties on and all that stuff? No booties. You take your shoes off, though, so no. So you have to wear socks. Yeah, we had to take our sho- our shoes off and put booties on. But um, And I don't know if they'll have that be true for the general public when they open it. My guess is you went to the press preview, but... This is just one of these big summer fun MFAH immersive shows. This is a way to get people in and um, give them a good time, so to speak. Um, that's more of a, like a. It's almost more like a like a uh, amusement park kind of attraction. I mean, the fact that it even has balls in it does ha- give it a sort of play place quality, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's, I don't know. It's interesting. Go walk on it at least once and see what you think because i i don't know i definitely wasn't expecting the experience to be so i don't even know the right word for it like it wasn't precarious but at the same time i stepped up on it and i was like oh i'm going to have to get used to this was it worth it i would say it was it was interesting to uh, walk up and kind of see the museum and that hall from a different perspective this this thing you know it has a slight incline to it so you're not only just walking on it, it's almost like a rope bridge Right. It's almost like a rope bridge that would swing back and forth a little bit as you and other people are walking on it. So it has that quality to it. And it also has a slight incline because it ends up like there's a center section that's 12 feet tall. So you're considerably far off of the ground once you get to the top of it. Um you know, and then you have to make your way back down. My sense is this one. I haven't seen this one yet, but my sense is that it's a it's a bigger than the one the Nasher had because it's in. And it's in a larger space. Yeah, it really does fill up the space. And I think it, uh, they said it weighs something like 6,000 pounds. Like it's, it's a pretty massive 
work of art. Um, so, and then if we're just, I just wanted to mention Marfa quickly because it's reopening and I think Chinati, which I know is not over the summer, so I may not be out there this summer, but I think Chinati is going to happen in October. However, Ballroom is reopened and has some stuff going on. Um, and I think Chinati itself is, is at least reopened in terms of just being able to walk around outside and look into the windows of, of all the Judd stuff. Um, are you planning on any trips out that way? Possibly. You know, I, I'll be interested to see what the schedule is for the next Trinati weekend. That's kind of been normally when I've gone out over the past yeah. couple of years. Um, so I'll be interested. I think they're planning to have kind of like the normal maiden Marfa community days and things like that. So, I mean, I would, I would love to see everyone out there. You know, normally I get to see them at least once a year and it kind of feels like that hasn't really happened. There is one thing that I want to throw in. If you're heading down to the Valley, um, there are quite a few shows right now at the International Museum of Art and Sciences in McAllen, IMAS, it's called. Um, But there's a show of photographs that I would actually love to see. The works look really interesting. Uh, The artist is Carlos Limas. He was born in Matamoros, Mexico. Um, he has an MFA from UT Rio Grande Valley in Edinburgh. So he's been in the Valley at least for a little bit. And he has a show of works that's been up for about a month now. It's up through mid-August. And it's a show of photographs documenting, it says, unnoticed urban and rural structures in and around the Rio Grande Valley. It has the appeal of ruin porn without being too ruin porn. It's just really interesting photos of these buildings. You know, some of them are hotels. Some of them look like kind of houses or more domestic type, like less. uh, It looks like a really good show of photos. And I think uh, that the work's great. And I would love to see the show. They also have uh, some works. They've got an exhibition that's uh, from their collection of Mexican and Latin American folk art. And so that's actually two reasons to go to IMAS. I like IMAS a lot. Um, It's nice that uh, that it's open. Also over in Tyler uh, this summer will be a solo show by Linda Ridgway. So that's out in East Texas. Brandon, I just feel like, I guess because we've, and we went to Rockport and Corpus recently, and I've been back up to DFW. I haven't done a whole lot of travel yet, but my calendar's starting to fill up, and I think I will be on the road uh, to some degree this summer. And then again, you know what it feels like to me? It feels almost like being a little kid, and like school's out for the summer, but you're looking forward to certain things in the summer, and then you also know that in the fall, like the whole world is going to be back up and running again and you're going to be going to you're going to be starting a new grade <laughs> it just feels like it feels normal but it's a heightened sense of normalcy it's like a more exciting sense of normalcy does that make sense yeah that makes sense you know uh, kind of how we talked about on a past podcast i mean if you're not used to something or, or you've gone a year without something even if it's old hat it feels new at the start of it um I think I think that's just how it is. Like I, you know, I haven't traveled to some places in Texas in a year and a half, and because my trip was supposed to happen when the pandemic started. So I, oh yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's gonna feel new, and a lot of things will have changed just because Texas is that way. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. And it'll be nice to check in with people and to kind of check on the health, um, the visual art health of various communities. But um, things don't seem to be as dire as we had uh, at one point, and as a lot of people on the art world had predicted, that you know by now possibly 30 or more percent of museums would be in dire straits and shutting down, which is not to say that museums are not in any trouble whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But the general health of museums across the U.S. maybe isn't as dire as we thought it would be at this point, although there's still, you know, we're still having some stuff shake out. Yeah. But um, more than anything, I just want to put my eyes on people and on art in these institutions that I miss. You know, when we went to Corpus, when we went to the, to the Art Museum of South Texas in Corpus, um, and Rockport. I mean, just being in any of these spaces and looking at art feels kind of, um, it's very moving. It's very moving. And we've, you know, we've had the benefit of being in Houston and Houston, um, we've been able to see art while we've been here, but it's just, oh man, the museums to miss the museums and to get back in the museums. I've said this a million times, but it, it really is. It's just, uh, it feels better than you think. Just, just risk it. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. Get your, just get your shots and go into the museums. It's so nice to see the work again. And with that, I think that's all we have for this week. What we're really trying to say is, uh, go see some art. Go see some art. This podcast was recorded by Glass Tire and edited by William Saradet. Copyright Glass Tire 2021.